0: This is The Recap, a weekly reflection on the sermons of Fellowship Baptist Church in Mainville, Ohio, seeking to help you make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. I am your host this week, Ryan Land, and I'm here with the preacher of this week's sermon, Brent Wilson. Brent, what's up? Yep, good to do this again. And as a special guest this week, because it was Family Sunday on Sunday, joining us is our minister to children and families and my wife. Darcy land great to be here yeah you excited
1: I am yeah we're,
0: we're excited to have you on so first let's uh, let's kind of just broadly talk about family Sunday uh, I know it's a new thing we've, we've done them we've had two now kind of officially uh, and so Darcy why what why do you find these family Sundays uh, important why is it important to invite the kids that are usually in their classes into the gathering of the body every once in a while
1: Yeah. So I think it's important for several reasons. Um, The first is just that it's a discipleship opportunity. So um, it's important for kids to learn how to sit in the gathering because they won't be kids in kids ministry classrooms forever. And so it's important for them to see their parents and other church members modeling what it looks like to sing songs and listen to the preaching of God's word, to pray, to take the Lord's Supper, all of those things. So really it's kind of a low pressure way because there's tons of kids in the service. Like we're already expecting it to be Um, a little noisier than usual and things of that nature. So um, it's a low pressure way to help disciple your kids and what it looks like for them long-term to be in in our gathering. Um, And also it's just um, really important, I think, for everyone in our church to see the the life and the value that kids in particular bring to our body of believers. So um, it was exciting to have them in there. I loved it. Um, and I'm, I'm praying that those gospel seeds that kids heard would, um, take root in their lives and, um, produce much fruit in the years to come.
0: Yeah, for sure. Brent, how, how, how did you feel about it? What, what did you, uh, yeah. did you have to prepare any differently? I'm curious about your sermon.
2: Um, there certainly a, a thought that goes into my mind about things not to say, right? Sometimes I might talk about something that may be age inappropriate for a little mm-hmm. kid. So, uh, I made sure to think through those things, um, uh, as well as I, I tried to maybe give a little nugget here or there, something they could maybe latch on to. Yeah. Um, but just want to reiterate what Darcy said. I think it's super valuable. You know, I think there's a lot of churches, and sometimes people show up at our church looking for, hey, where do I take my 6th grader, my 7th grader during the service? Where do I drop them off at? Uh, and I think more and more, uh, particularly in America, we're getting this this like uh, me-centered, i got to be entertained, I need something for my age. Uh, whatever kind of situation where you're right. Like you could be a kid who is going into eighth, ninth, 10th grade. It's like, I've never gone to quote unquote, big church. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think that's a real problem. Right. And so uh, I think, you know, we, we stop at third grade just naturally, but I think getting them exposed to church as early as possible, even if they're coloring on the ground or crying or whatever, it's like help this to be a normal thing. So that as they get older, they just transition to that uh, much more easy, uh, and so I just think it's really good all around. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know if there was much crying or not with my my ears being clogged. I couldn't hear anything, but not much. Um, no. uh, so, uh, but but I think it's good. You know, uh, I said in the middle of the service, there's two two signs of a healthy church: singing men and crying babies, and so uh, uh, and having little kids whose feet don't touch the ground. And so I think it's a great sign of the health of our church that there are so many young families with babies and kids running around and talking and, uh, because that's the future, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to, we're going to grow old and die and they're going to take our place, um, sooner than later. And so if we're not doing everything we can to pass the baton, we're
0: going to be in real trouble. Yeah. And I I think like that, that is true. Like that they are, I mean, these are the, the church leaders of the future. These are the teachers, you know, the preachers, the, worship leaders but there's also this this fact that they're the church now right and so yeah. uh we we want them to be as connected to the life of our church as a as a six-year-old can be as a seven year old can be as an yeah. eight-year-old can be because then when they are a 14 year old a 15 year old they're not expecting to be siloed off but they have this understanding yeah hey i'm part of the church yeah a uh, body as a whole yeah
2: well you know i also think about like Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, like when you have this whole family around, like we're not saying, oh, all of the grandparents go to this room and and all of the parents in this room and then all the teenagers in this room and all the kids mm-hmm. in this room, you know, as much as possible, everybody tries to be at the same table. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, we're one big family all eating at this table together. And so as we're one big church family all being in there. I think it's super healthy.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, let's uh, let's let's discuss the, the the sermon a little bit. Let's recap the sermon. Wisdom for envy. So last week we tackled anger, and then here we are into envy. So Brent, first, you know, you answered this in the the sermon, but just you know, re- refresh your memory. What what is it? What is envy? So envy
2: has real two sides to it. Um, on the one half, it is covetousness, it's jealousy, it's me wanting what you have. Uh, I think I said in the sermon, it is wanting someone else's life, right? So it's looking at someone else going, man, I wish my, my life was like that. So on the one hand, it's that, but, but it also has kind of a, another side to it. in that if, if I want what you have, envy leads me to say, I want it, even if it means I take it from you. Uh, and if I can't get it, it makes me angry at you. It makes me resent you. Um, and, uh, when, when those people who have the things we want fall, uh, it makes us a little happy, you know, Mm -hmm. we're pretty excited about it. Uh, and so, um, it's not just, I want what you have. I want you to not have it either.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, for sure. So you mentioned, uh, coveting covetousness and and jealousy. Is there a, is there a distinction between envy and coveting and jealousy? Uh, I, I think maybe it's, uh, uh, in an order, so maybe
2: you start at jealousy. Mm-hmm. Um, jealousy might be the seed form that
0: mm-hmm. grows to covetousness. Uh, that grows to envy. Okay, uh, maybe it's uh, because I think one thing that that is important to talk about is that you know the Bible repeatedly describes God as being a jealous God. Yeah, and so how do we how do we sift through you know God being jealous and then our jealousy? Um, is are they is there a way like like last week we talked about anger, you know God has wrath, God has anger mm-hmm. uh, towards uh, like toward the, the object of His anger is, yeah. is righteous, and the same way the object of His jealousy is is righteous. Is there yeah. a way that we can have righteous jealousy I, I, in the I, way that God does? I think so,
2: but I think the the margin is much smaller than it for anger. So for example, uh, probably the the closest example that God's jealousy over us is the jealousy a spouse has over their their spouse mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. like if you find your spouse being flirted with or flirted with someone else or mm-hmm. you know they have someone else has their attention or something you might be you know jealous can obviously be a bad thing and can lead mm-hmm. to bad things but there might be a, 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 a the beginnings of it that could be pure could be good and yeah I want the affection
0: of my spouse and you rightly deserve it yeah yeah, and yeah. it is mine. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know. Uh and so in the same way that's how God is jealous of us. Mm-hmm. He wants our love and our affection and our and, and, it's and, and his. our good and it is his. And so, yeah.
0: It's like when my PlayStation 3 got stolen in high school and I was at my friend's house and I saw that my account was online. <laughs> and it's the guy that stole my PlayStation 3 was online using my PlayStation 3. I was jealous of him. Yeah but it was my PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Similar so, to a
2: spouse, a so, PlayStation, and, and so I right? think you might say...
0: <laughs>
1: no, that's not right.
2: <laughs> I think you might say that jealousy in its undefiled form is potential, is good, but the problem mm-hmm. is that our jealousy quickly turns to covetousness. Yeah, to
0: things we don't deserve that are, that are yeah. not ours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So
2: I think that's why typically we think of jealousy as a very negative
0: thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So, uh, Darcy, how specifically uh, does this, you know, envy affect, you know, children, how do you know, in families, uh, how does, how does envy, you know, play out and affect kids?
1: Yeah. So I think that honestly, envy affects children in a very similar way that it affects adults. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we see, um, its ramifications, I think in, in similar ways that we can relate to, it's just oftentimes children are, um, not as emotionally regulated as adults are, or, um, children, um, don't hide their sin in the way that adults tend to. And so I think that a lot of times, you know, envy, um, can take all sorts of manifestations in children. Um, and I think it's really important to, to think about, cause a lot of times we'll, we'll hear envy, right? So we'll hear someone say, or a child say, I want that, or, um, Give me that or something like that. And so Jesus teaches, I think it's in Matthew 12, about how um, out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. And so what we have to remember specifically when we're dealing with children and seeking to raise them um, to know the Lord is that um, we're not seeking behavior modification. So you're not teaching them like, well, don't say that. Um, but you really need to, to get to the heart of the issue. So when they're saying, give me that, or I want that, um, it's, you know, that reflects a heart of, I think I deserve this. This is mine. Um, you don't get this thing that I actually want or whatever that could look like. And so I think that in kids, especially that comes from a lack of humility, a lack of gratitude, and those things can be incredibly hard to teach, um, But I think that it is important when we're looking for that inward transformation to kind of target those things. And so um, I have a quick example that I think could be helpful for parents as they're seeking to um, not only identify this in their kids, but um, really get to the the heart of the issue. And so um, like, let's say your children are fighting over a toy and you hear someone say, give me, or I want that, Um, or maybe it's a birthday party and, you know sister gets a toy that the other brother wants or something like that. So, um, we're, what we're hearing is in that moment is envy, right? Mm. Um, so to address the heart issue, um, like maybe you're prompting them to share or to ask. And so instead of saying something like, what do you say to prompt them to say, please, you can ask something like, how could you ask for that with a heart of humility? And so then it opens up this opportunity for you to address what is humility and not just fix their outward behavior. Because what we don't want to teach is, well, when you say, please, you automatically get what you want. No, mm-hmm. what we want to teach is our heart should reflect um, humility and that God is the giver of all good gifts. Um, and so I think a saint, like something similar can go for thank you, right? So instead of saying, what do you say to your child when you're prompting them to say thank you? Um, You can say, how can you receive this with a heart of gratitude? Mm -hmm. So someone invites your family over to their house and you can say, how can I, how could you receive their hospitality with a heart of gratitude? Um, Instead of just saying, what do you say to these people who asked us over for dinner? So I think that's a really practical, tangible example, like most parents are out there teaching their kids to say please and thank you, and I think that that's really important. Manners are important, right? But we always want to um, address the heart of the issue and not um, just modify their behavior.
2: Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, add something to that. It's kind of from the sermon as well. It's like we, if envy, uh, envy is the opposite of this. We want to be able to praise people um, and uh, enjoy. Uh, for them and with them, the things they get, right? And so, so-and-so gets a new house and I, I'm i tempted to be envious of it where I want that house or whatever. Instead, I just want to be thankful that they've got this thing or maybe they 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 got the promotion, right? And and I want to, I want to and I didn't get it, right? Instead of weeping, uh, I want to praise, hey, man, I'm so thankful that you got this and you got this opportunity and your talents, you know, afforded you this. And so in the same way with our kids, I think like, hey, Let's be let's be grateful that so and so got this and, and you don't get to play with it right now because it's so and so's present, they're gonna play with it and let's be glad for that. Let's be grateful for that. Don't you want them to be grateful for you when, when you get this toy and da, da da and so also working that in as well, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's super helpful. And just also like really early on, like this can start with kids, you know, as soon as, um, you know, they're walking and talking, like helping them understand that God isn't withholding from them. And so like when, yeah, for sure. when their sibling or friend gets a new toy and whatever else, like, just like Brent said, helping them celebrate the gift that that is for that person, but helping them understand the loving nature of God, that he is not withholding from them any good mm-hmm. thing, just because, um, it's not their birthday or their turn to get a present or something like that.
0: Yeah. That's great. I think that's super helpful. So let's, uh, let's talk about the social media, uh, the social dilemma, uh, uh, that we're, we're currently experiencing in Darcy and I listened to a a, a podcast this morning that was kind of about the isolation that social media creates. And so how does, how does social media, you know, play into, into our envious natures? Well, I think it plays into it because I think envy really
2: begins, uh, at comparison. And Mm -hmm. so I'm comparing my life to your life and what you have and I don't have or whatever. Uh, and social media is just a, um, a a way to, uh, to see that right in Mm -hmm. front of you all the time. Right. So as you're scrolling, uh, you are seeing everything you don't have and everything everybody else that does have, you're seeing, and you're seeing their best foot forward, right? You're not seeing their real life. You're seeing the life they want to show you. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing everyone's perfect vacation and everyone's perfect mother's day and everyone's, perfect spouse and everyone's you know whatever and even sometimes when people um will get on there to lament about something like sometimes we're even envious of the way they like man they just handled that difficult thing with such <laughs> yeah such whatever and it's like why yeah. can't I handle my stress like they handle their stress yeah and uh and so I think it just is um is baked in a way that mm-hmm. sets us up for for envy and so it causes that I think
0: in a lot of ways yeah for sure and and it's like the you don't see any of the the, you, you know, you just think about vacation, right? Like you don't see any of the work that it took to get, you know, a family to vacation. Right? Whereas mm-hmm. when you get to go to vacation, when you go on vacation, it's like you got to drive, you got to, you know, pack, you got to do all this. So you got yelling to, at you
2: the know. kids, uh, hush,
0: <laughs> stop yelling, stop crying um, in the car. That's, Darcy has to yell at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like there's all this work. But from your perspective, when you're seeing it on social media, it's like, man, doesn't that look great? Doesn't that look perfect? Just perfect. And you just don't see any of the, the hardness. Mm-hmm that or the boring parts of the (laughs) truth. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so how, uh, and I think, I think me and you both can, can speak a little bit to this, but it's like, how is that, how do you see that affecting like children? Let's, let's say, you know, below my, uh, age range that I, that I minister to is, you know, so 12 and under, how do you, how do you see social media, you know, affecting affecting their minds when it comes to envy?
1: Yeah. I think one of the first things that, um, comes to my mind and Brent touched on this a little bit in the sermon, but just like the addictive nature of social media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I mean, I think that it's hard for most adults to control like myself included. It's hard to control the, um, like addictive nature to just like scroll one more time or look at one more thing. Um, and so to open that up to a child, um, who, uh, might not have as much impulse control or regulation or something like that. It's just really difficult for them because you're asking them to uh, handle something that they just um, you know developmentally aren't aren't ready to handle mm-hmm. yet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think similar to what Brent just said, I mean, um, it's the same thing, like when you know, kids see other kids or, Um, maybe people just a little bit older than them, it's like they start to chase that idea of what they think is perfect. For sure. And I think it just puts really unrealistic standards on on children and even teenagers, right? Like it Mm -hmm. just puts really unrealistic standards on what they end up thinking um, life and family and marriage and church and all of those things that they're looking forward to should look like.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, I was thinking about, I was in middle school when the internet really became popular. And MySpace came out and AIM came out. And I remember uh, on MySpace you had the same the top eight. Did you ever use AIM? Yeah, dude. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and so it's like, you know, the top eight's out. And you can
0: change it though. It could be your top four, your top oh, six, your top eight, your top
2: twelve. I wasn't that tick savvy at the time. But so but everyone fighting over who's on your top eight, right? Because what was on MySpace was real life where it seemed like it was real life, and it was really important. Mm-hmm. And that has only be- become 100 percent more tr- the case now mm-hmm. that your social life, your social media life, is your real life. And so, yeah. where uh, where it's not like the, your friends on social media aren't your real friends. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they look on social media isn't the way they look in real life, and all these things. Mm-hmm. And so, but we think it's real life, and so it just affects us um, because I think we have such a diluted view of what reality is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that it's causing envy, which leads, I think, a lot of times to depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, and all these other problems that, you know, uh, uh, have happened. You know, the social dilemma, the thing we, were, we kind of referenced at the beginning, uh, talked about how since, I think, Instagram came out, teen preteen girl suicide rates up 200%, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, uh, there is definitely causation uh, to Instagram or Snapchat or whatever because there are like Darcy just said, unrealistic expectations on what beauty is on what love is on, um, just who I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to look like. And so, um, not saying you shouldn't use social media, but it's like, uh, I said in the sermon, I think we'll look back uh, in 30 years and say, uh, Why did we give our kids social media in the same way that we look back now and go, why do we think it was okay for kids to smoke cigarettes? Yeah, Yeah. And we'll look back and go, why was it okay? Why did
0: we have the smoking section indoors at restaurants? (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think even going back um, to the, like, how does this affect children? um, I think what you just said, Brandon is really helpful because I think one of the major ways that it can affect them um, in their lives currently, not just talking about their future lives, but is in their friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it is harder for... um, children to experience the the depth that friendship can have to offer even at their age when they're constantly um, comparing what they see their quote unquote friends do or hang or who they're hanging out with or whatever on social media. It makes their, their friendship seem um, not as valid in their mind.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. You talked about also the, the addictive nature of it. And I want to say this like earnestly, but also compassionately, because I, I get it. Um, like, You know, I said in the sermon, parents, don't give your kids a phone and don't let them have social media until they're much, much older. Uh, But also, like, it breaks my heart when I go into a restaurant and a kid cannot sit down to eat without an iPad in front of them playing whatever show or playing a game or whatever. And it's like, I don't think we realize the detrimental effects that's going to have on our children that Mm -hmm. don't know how to sit still. Like we, you know, I'm not a doctor, but we wonder why ADHD, ADD, all these things are through the roof. It's like, well, maybe it's because we've not ever taught them to have attention because they have to be entertained at every moment of every day. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, they can't sit still without having this iPad from them. And it's like, let your kid be bored. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay.
0: Make them go outside and <laughs> let's, figure out. Let's wonder. Let's wonder for. A <laughs> no second. one wonders anymore. You right? just look something. We
2: do look something up every. <laughs> this second is like, of like every Ryan's day. phrase of the year. No one wonders. No one
0: wonders anymore. And
1: two, just like while we're talking about that, is like. I would agree with Brent's sentiment. Like don't let your kids have a smartphone. Don't let them be on social media until they're, they're much older. Um, but if, if they are, if that is the decision that you've made for your family and children, like I just honestly plead with you, like don't let them be looking at things that you're not aware of, Mm -hmm. be like heavily monitoring what they're looking at, be able to enter into those conversations yeah. Um, don't let them be on it, you know, alone in their room, like those things, like just for the safety of our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important that you're aware of what they're looking at and what they're seeing.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I've heard it talked about, I think James Martin actually said this, at an event we had for, for, uh, youth and, and their parents is that you got to think of it like a window that they're looking out into the world, but also people are looking in. Uh, and so you can't, what you don't want to do is like, just let your kid have an uncovered window in their room that everyone can come look in, uh, at all times, you know, not, and I'm not even saying, you know, just like the webcam is permanently on, you know, that's not, that's not what I'm, I'm referencing, but just that the interconnectivity of, of everything and, and all the, the apps communicating with one another and all those things, like, it's just like, uh, they're just building so much data. Uh, I could, I could talk about, you know, social media for like, you know, probably a whole hour. I'll just say two things and, and and this is I think specifically has to do with 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 envy is first, these are both going kind be of directed towards parents but uh, I have I have read um, you know article and, and studies where uh, part, part of this uh, conversation about depression and, and teen suicide comes from their use of social media but also I've heard study about well I don't even know that my parent, cares about what I'm going through because they don't ever talk to me. They don't have direct conversation with me. They don't have, uh, they they don't, they don't, um, you know, they don't want to sit down and, uh, know me. Yeah. They, they actually just care more about their phone and who they're talking to on their phone. And I, I think, especially for adults, we can have this kind of like escapism. It's, it's easier for us to, uh, look and watch and live these lives online than it is to enter in kind of the muck and the, the the you know just routine of, of everyday life uh, it's it's the constant entertainment like you know you put whatever that that little kids cartoon is on youtube that everyone's like watching on like kids are watching that that's their version of entertainment coco melon coco melon yeah uh, it's a drug. Coco they all the kids are watching Cocoa melon, but adults are just on Facebook doing the same thing Yeah, like they're just being entertained and, and you're ignoring the life going on around you and it's detrimental to your, to your kids oh, when, yeah. when you're addicted to your phone and, and the second thing I'll say is when this is specifically Related to envy is like here's one of the most powerful bullets uh, That your kid has when you're telling them no to social media. It's like but all the other kids have it All the other parents let their their kids have it and it's mm-hmm. like so they're envious of these other kids that have access to the social media in the first place. And uh, I think it would be incredible if we take that bullet away from them and we all uh just, you know, stand shoulder to shoulder and we'll be able to point at people in our in our church family and saying, well, they don't and they don't and they don't and it's for your good. Yeah. Uh and so gotta uh, stick together. Yeah. And 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 hold hold the line. So uh anyway, that's 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 kind of my two cents. Like I said, I could uh, there's, I've, I've read article and article after article about, you know, how this is affecting teenage and kids, but that's kind of my two cents. So, uh, let's, let's move on. Uh, Brent, you, your kind of your last point was how envy sucks the joy, the enjoyment yeah. uh, out of your life. Um, speak to that a little bit, recap that a little bit more for us.
2: Well, <clears throat> I think what envy does is fake causes you to be so focused on the things you don't have and the life you wish you had and things you want that you become blind and miss the, the things that are actually right in front of you that, mm-hmm. that God has given you uh, for your enjoyment, for your good. You know, the, the first question of, of the Westminster Catechism is what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And, and our enjoyment of God comes through, his, part, of, part of our enjoyment of God comes through His creation, right? Enjoying ice cream pizza enjoying your family enjoying the gifts and the just all the normal things in life and so when you are so envious at whatever someone else has you've missed the wonderful spouse you have the kids you have the house you have the car you have the the video games you have whatever it is that's right in front of you and so um it just sucks the joy out of the things that you could be having. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the amazing thing that I've literally seen happen multiple times is that I've watched person A be envious of person B. And then in talking to person B, that they're envious of person A. Like they're both envious of each other's lives. And it's like yep. maybe just uh, be grateful for what the other person has and then open your eyes to see what you have mm-hmm. and enjoy where you're at right now, where God has placed you. Um, good.
1: Yeah, so um, Elizabeth Elliott has this quote on contentment. Um, where she says, contentment is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Mm. Oh, and I think that that's really important is like what we should be cultivating is the work of Christ in, in our own lives and ourselves. And that will take our eyes off of other people's circumstances that we think might yeah. might be better.
2: Yeah. And so the solution, I, put, I gave rule three solutions, but one of them was to count your blessings. You know, the old hymn, count your blessings, named them one by one. Count you many blessings and see what God has done. And so it's like, if you start, if you actually journal and make a list and start praying and be, you know, thanking God for things, like the list will be significantly longer than you could imagine. Mm-hmm. And then you go, oh my gosh, look at all these things. And the more you do that, the more thankful you'll be for them and the more you'll cherish them and actually enjoy them, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, the l- last thing I'll say about, about envy is, is, this was fascinating when I read this. Every other sin has an enticement you know there's it, it's baited the hook right it's promising some fulfillment to you all of them except for envy envy has no bait no one's like man i just want to be envious so bad mm-hmm. right it's all hook and no bait it's it, it, it literally just sucks the life out of you and doesn't promise you anything in return no one wants it no one wants to have it no one wants to be envious we just are um and so i think i don't there's think, no there's no payoff yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. it's like your envy isn't going to get you the thing you you want Mm -hmm. um and so just a fascinating way sin works sometimes
0: yeah and and i think you know just listening to this this conversation and and, you know you think this man is like so hard this sounds so impossible like to think about it's like there's so many things in this world that i want there's so many things in this world that i think could be better about my life or whatever And and i think you know This is the we we misapply Philippians four thirteen to everything, like to literally everything in the world. And this is the only thing it relates to. (laughs) Right. It's like Paul is saying he can be content in all things because it is Christ because of Christ. Right. I can do all
2: things to Christ because we strength. That doesn't mean I can score a touchdown.
0: No. Uh, it literally only means he, he is saying he can be content because of Christ, the strength yeah. of Christ that's yeah. dwelling him, and so I think the Elizabeth Elliot quote is exactly right. It's like when we look to Jesus, uh, when we have um, a knowledge of who we are, uh, a secure identity, like mm. you talked about in week one, uh, these things start to to melt away, and we can see that our life is not meant to be like this other person's life. Uh, our life is supposed to, is is meant for whatever. Uh, you know reason or yep. or or purpose that uh, we have been blessed with in Christ yep. so uh, there's no reason to compare yourself to another person
1: and i think just like on a practical note i would just really encourage all of us to to pray in that direction mm-hmm. to um, when it feels impossible to to not envy or to not covet and you're you're really wrestling through that man just pray that the lord would give you um, just a sense of contentment in him mm-hmm. that if that feels really distant and far off right now that he would cultivate that in you um so yeah i would i would just be earnestly praying praying for that
0: and i think you know praying that with your kids yeah you know being thankful for the things they have not just for the food that's currently on the table right but for you know uh, a uh something you got to do or uh for your house or for you know just like but cultivate in your family it's like, hey, we're going to be grateful. We're not going to take for granted these things uh, that God has blessed us with.
1: Yeah, I I heard this prayer. I mean, it was years ago now, and I don't even remember who I heard it from. But it's something that I, I try to, to pray, especially around mealtimes, if there's a prayer being said. But that the food would satisfy us, and it would point us to how you ultimately satisfy us. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, even just the repetition of, of saying that in my life over the past few years has been really helpful because um, even the food we eat, the, the good gift that it is that the Lord has given us that, um, we'll be hungry again in a mm-hmm. few hours. And so um, just praying that that the Lord would be what would satisfy above all else. Yeah. Well,
2: that's a helpful word, repetition, right? One of the reasons Family Sunday is important. Back up. One of the reasons you having your kids in church, whether it's Family Sunday or they're in there programming or whatever is important is because the repetition of that, uh, is important on so many different levels, but on the most simplest level you're saying, this is so valuable that we do it every week. Mm -hmm. And so when you miss, when, when you, uh, miss a lot and you do other things, what you're ultimately saying is no, this other thing is more important. Mm -hmm. Um, and so kids believe what you tell them over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so the first time you tell them verbally
0: and non-verbally,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. And so the first time you tell them some concept about humility they're going like what do you I don't even know what you mean yeah. but if you've told them that 300 times they're going to start understanding oh yeah and I'm 12 years old now I understand what humility mm-hmm. means um, and so being in, in church huge I <laughs> the easiest thing to do and the probably the
0: you know the starting the most helpful thing to do for your kid Yeah I, I'd love to, I'd love to meet the humble 12 year old uh, uh, <laughs> I start to be <laughs> I understand the concept yeah yeah um, all right before we move on to Q&A any any passing final thoughts on Envy I don't think so
2: uh, I think I would just say about the Q&A uh, some of you guys have a of those questions but you've uh, come you in you missed a, the boat a day late literally a day so, late so, so we were send them on Sunday we record on Monday afternoon so you got to get it in before Monday, by
0: three. Yep. Yep. Uh, so we got, we got one, uh, we actually got a, we got a, we got a handful of questions this week, but most of them were about last week's <laughs> sermon. <laughs> so, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's focus on this week's uh, question. So this person says, Brent, you spoke rightly about how our social media self is often the shined up cherry picked version of ourselves. I feel the same often takes place when we come to the church and we put on our quote, church mask. How can we encourage each other to be authentic, transparent, and vulnerable so we can truly lean on our family in Christ and grow together, grow better together. It's a great question. And, um, uh, two
2: thoughts. Number one, the way you encourage other people to be authentic, transparent, vulnerable is to be authentic, transparent, vulnerable yourself. Yep. Um, when you do that, it frees up other people go, Mm -hmm. Oh, I can do that too.
0: Yep. Someone's gotta be the first. Yeah. Somebody's
2: gotta start it. Um, And so I think you got to be the person you want other people to be. Uh, And then when other people do it, you've got to respond in a way that's actually helpful, Mm -hmm. not judgmental, not, you know, whatever you've got to like be caring and extend the forgiveness of Christ, like Mm -hmm. remind them of of the gospel and Christ's forgiveness and, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, And so where they actually feel comfortable to do it again. The second thing I would say though, is like on Sunday morning in the midst of the big gathering, it's not necessarily always the most appropriate to go and be vulnerable and transparent in front of everyone, right? Like the reason we have D groups, the reason we have small groups, the reason uh, we do those things is because that's where you're, you can do it. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you go be fake on Sunday morning. You're having a hard time. Go find mm-hmm. somebody, right? And go in a hallway, go in a classroom, uh, grab, a, grab a chair, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and go do that. Um, and so, but just because every time someone says, hey, how you doing? I don't have to be vulnerable to every single person. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I need to have those people, those handful of people that I am, those people in my small group, those people that are close to me um, and I'll be vulnerable and transparent with with them. Um, So I don't know. That's my two cents.
1: Yeah, I think that that is really helpful. I also think something um, that I've done on on different occasions is um, also just being the person that I'll ask again. So, you know, when someone says, how are you? And our typical response is just good. Um, and you can tell that maybe something is a little off or, um, maybe, you know, that they, they might've had a hard week, um, kind of pressing a little bit and saying like, no, you can, you can actually tell me, are you, are you really good? Um, are you sure? Are you sure you're good? No, really. Yeah. And so I think, um, I think, you know, being brave enough to sit in that conversation with them is Mm -hmm. helpful, but also, um, just like, again, praying, asking the Lord to do this work in your heart and in your life, like having an understanding of the, the grace that we have to have in Jesus to be reconciled to the father. And so, um, I think that when we come to church, there's not another place where we understand that none of us are actually okay. The one thing that we needed, um, which was um, our sin forgiven, we couldn't do on our own. So we're all on a on an even playing field, and just having that understanding about yourself and about others um, can create an, a vulnerability because um, when we have been reconciled back to. Back to the Father through through Jesus, we understand um, our neediness and our lowliness, and so we can meet others in that place as well.
0: Yeah, and I one one thing I think you said that is so key to this that we don't we don't talk about a lot though is is boldness, right? Like it's an act of courage to be vulnerable. It's an act of courage uh, to be transparent uh, and and authentic with someone. And so, and you know, all over the New Testament we see people writing, it's like, do not throw away your, your confidence. We, uh, you know, the spirit does not give us a spirit of timidity, right. But of, of, uh, courage of boldness. And so, uh, challenge yourself, right. To, to be, take a courageous action, to do a, a bold thing, not to build yourself up, right. Not to say like, Oh, I'm so brave. Uh, but to start creating, you know, a real community, a true community, uh, that is not built on, uh, you know platitudes and politeness, but is built on you know authenticity and, and transparency and, and love because that's when you you know you love someone you don't love someone if they're cleaned up you know I'm doing good passing by uh, that that's that's manners I can do that to anyone at Walmart mm-hmm. you know but love is when uh, someone says yeah it's been terrible I don't want to be here I would I would love to be anywhere else than here right now. And you to be able to look them in the eye and say, well, I'm glad you're here. You know, that's, that's what love is.
1: Yeah. And I I know I've heard uh, Brent say this several times, but just like our, our greatest desire is to be fully known and fully loved. Mm. And I think that, you know, that's the fear that motivates us to put on like this question said, like the church mask um, is that, well, if they really knew me, they wouldn't love me. Yeah, And I think just like cultivating um, that, like, gospel-centered, countercultural atmosphere of, no, again, like we know um, what Jesus had to do to redeem all of us. Mm -hmm. So you um, are already fully loved in him. Therefore, Mm -hmm. I can fully, fully love you and fully know you.
0: Yeah, that's great. Brent, any final thoughts? Nope, I think that's good. Darcy, any final thoughts? Nope, I'm good. Well, thanks for being here this week. Uh, Looking forward to having you on the show anytime you want. (laughs) <laughs> but specifically for Family Sundays, we can you know, talk about the family, talk about uh, how we minister to our kids well and disciple our kids well in the home. Well, thanks for joining us this uh, time for the recap. We hope this conversation has encouraged you to keep striving to make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. If you aren't part of our church family, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday morning. We gather for worship at 1030 a.m. For any more information, you can go to myfellowship.church. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email staff at myfellowship.church or you can fill out a question in our church app under the This Week's Sermon tab. Uh, We are continuing in Wisdom for the Ages next week. We can't wait to uh, recap that sermon with you. We will uh, see you then. Be blessed.